0: Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. Two prophetic words were given to me this last Thursday, December the 5th. I'll go into more detail as we go through the message, but just understand the baseline of these two words. That morning, Curtis Ponzio called me and he shared with me that while in prayer that morning, I saw God place his hand on your head and energize you. Wow. And then later in the day, Charmaine in the office shared a word with me. And the baseline of it is God's hand is upon you. Wow. Now on January the 9th, 2014, NASA took a picture of a supernova explosion of a star and they called it Hand of God. This happens to be the same year when Suzanne had the vision of God's hand hitting the earth and bringing about a great move of God. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 reads, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You'll see in this word that I'll share with you in just a moment how that it's been a difficult season for many people. Actually, one word that was used in Charmaine's word was brutal. It's been a brutal time. And so perhaps it is due time, as Peter said, for people to see the hand of God, due time. Who feels like they're due to see the hand of God? We'll title this Hand of God. Pray with me. Father, we ask you to bless the reading of your word. I do pray that you would help me, that this would be more than just another sermon, but just that this would be a moment where I release a fresh word, a of word to your people and it brings them hope and it energizes them. It's been brutal and God's people need, need help. So bless this moment. Holy Spirit, speak to us. I release the spirit of prophecy in the room. I do so in Christ's name and everyone said, amen. 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 I want you to know that in Charmaine's word, God said no, no. To limitations. This was part of the word. God was saying no to limitations. Let me read you the first segment of this message, this word that Charmaine gave me. I was sitting at my desk and heard the Holy Spirit say limitations. Then he showed me a picture of David in the field tending his sheep and thinking about all the limitations put on him, but yet he was content with his life. Then I saw the hand of God come out of the sky and shake his finger, no, no. And all at once, I felt a shift. I heard spiritual, generational curses, demonic assignments, spiritual and natural limitations, preconceived notions, opinions, and jealousy of people. Spiritual and natural limitations have been placed on my people to hinder what I've predestined for them and their families. So let me share with you this morning briefly this limitation of generational curses and demonic assignments. For it spoke about generational curses. Psalms chapter 51 and verse five, the psalmist said, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. I wish time would permit me to go into depth on really what David was saying here, but you remember the message that I preached, I believe, in 2015 called The Red-Headed Stepchild. Yes. We talked about David's family. One father, Jesse, seven brothers, two sisters, and a mother that was questionable. There was a question of if David was truly Jesse's boy. Now, this doesn't come out of the Bible, the Torah. It comes out of the Talmud, which is the historical writings of the Jews. But in the Talmud and their historical teachings, there was a question. Rather, Jesse was really, uh, or whether whether his mother was really his mother, okay? There was a question there rather about the mother, whether Jesse was truly his father or not. And so that's why he said, in, in iniquity was I shapen by my mother. You remember the teaching that I did on the difference between sin, transgression, and iniquity. Sin is a state of rebellion against God. Mankind is in sin. Transgression is the act of sin. I transgress the law of God. But iniquity, that's the one we struggle with and that's a twist in your character. We've spoke of this before where People are born with a, a, a propensity or a tendency towards certain things. There's a twist in their character. So it's not about the state of sin, it's not about transgressing the law of God, it's about I have a tendency towards this, I have a weakness towards this, and that is called iniquity. We have to work that out of our system. That's why we call it generational curses. It's passed down from generation to generation to generation. And that's what we have to work out of our character. We have to work out of our bloodline. That's where David said, I was shapen in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Iniquity is an inherited weakness in a person's nature with a propensity towards a particular sin. Iniquity. And this is called a generational curse. And this iniquity can place limitations on people. There are people in this room and watching on the web that struggle with iniquity. There are things that you see in your father and your father's father, in your mother and in your grandmother. There are tendencies, propensity towards a particular weakness, and you see this as it's passed down from generation to generation to generation, and this is something we all struggle with, and this is something that places limitations on people. It holds them back. They struggle with this. They struggle with this iniquity. But remember the word that God gave. He said, no, no to limitations. The second thing that we found within the word was this demonic assignments. The enemy coming against people, trying to destroy people. Psalms 38 verse 12 said, those also who seek my life lay snares for me. Those who seek my hurt speak of destruction and plan deception all day long. Demonic assignments, generational curses, things that I struggle with are demonic assignments, snares that are laid for me to, they seek after my life. The word snares there in the Hebrew means to entrap with a noose, to entrap you. He'll trap you. He'll try to lay a trap for you. He talked about uh, these people are, are planning things. They're speaking things against me. And the word, it spoke about preconceived notions and opinions and jealousy. People that set a snare for you. The enemy is trying to ensnare you. The enemy is trying to trap you. That's why we speak often here about people will define you by where you've been instead of where you're going. And you can't allow people to, uh, people's opinions to define you. We don't want people to take your name and then after that write a definition. They'll try to define you by where you've been instead of the plan that God has for your life. But the psalmist said, people are setting snares for me. And the word talked about people's opinion and people's, uh, uh, the, the words that they release. We've talked about uh, children and how we have to be so careful with the children that you can look at a child and you can release a demonic assignment over that child's life. You can release words that are hurtful, that are damaging, that bring abuse to that child, verbal and emotional abuse, and how that you can set that child on a, on, a track, on, a, on, a, on a track that will bring them into destruction. That's why the Bible tells us to understand that in the tongue and the mouth, there is the power of life and death. And we have to be careful that we speak life over our children and we don't speak death over our children. You so the enemy has an assignment to entrap you, causing you to miss God's assignment for your life. God has an assignment for you, but the enemy wants to entrap you. He wants to get in your ear. He wants to tell you lies. He wants to speak negativity to you. He wants to tell you that you're not the person that God made you to be. He wants to tear you down. He'll do it through other people's opinions, other people's jealousy. He'll do it through notions and ideals, wicked imaginations. But the enemy will try to tear you down and to keep you from fulfilling God's plan for your life. He said, they seek my hurt, the psalmist said. They seek my hurt. The words speak there. And the Hebrew talks about arranging words of destruction. Destruction. Think about that, to arrange words of destruction. Wow. Think about that. Do you know that the abusive spirit of the world has disfigured the souls of men? The abusive spirit of the world has taken and disfigured the souls of men. You're stupid. You're ugly. You're fat. You'll never amount to anything. You're useless. it it takes and it disfigures the souls of men and when we really understand that the soul of man is the artistic chamber of his life, that out of his soul comes creativity. The Bible says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and we see the enemy comes to try to Abuse the child and harm the child and wound that child to keep them from becoming the man or the woman of God that He intended them to be. That's why we say that a childhood issue can become an adulthood problem. We have to be careful with children. We have to be careful with one another. We have to be careful with our words because the abusive spirit of the world wants to disfigure. The soul of a man or a woman. As I look at people today, I see people are broken. People are abused. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus saw people harassed and helpless as sheep without a shepherd. People are harassed today. People are helpless today. The abusive spirit of the world is abusing them. And people are broken. And they need to hear the gospel of good news it's news for most of them and it's good they need to hear the good news of the gospel why because Paul said in Ephesians 2 for we are God's workmanship you know that word workmanship in the Greek means work of art you are God's work of art out of your soul comes creativity, ideals, and plans, and, and, and the, the spirit of the entrepreneur. God wants our young people to grow up and to fulfill their destiny, and the enemy is doing everything he can to stop that. Generational curses, a demonic assignment through people's opinions and jealousy, their words that he, they speak, trying to limit people. Understand that the enemy wants to limit you either through generational curses, that propensity towards a particular weakness, or he wants to limit you through the opinions of others, the words of others, the ideals of others. He wants to limit you because you are God's workmanship. You are his work of art. God wants to reconstruct and restore the creative side of your soul. Psalms 23 and three, he restores my soul. I've told you before, I'm repeating myself this morning. I apologize, but David spoke so often as a shepherd would speak. Here talking about he restores my soul. He's talking as a shepherd about sheep. Sheep would get what's called cast, C-A-S-T, cast. That means sheep would get into a soft place, and they would waller out a hole, and they'd get comfortable, but sometimes they would get back, they would get cast, they would get on their back, and they could not right themselves, and then they would fall prey to the beast of prey. A wolf would come and and devour them because they couldn't get up. And he was speaking here about that when he says, my soul has gotten cast and I can't right myself through discouragement and the lies of the enemy and the opinions of others and the limitations that people have placed upon me. Remember David was the redheaded stepchild of the family. The Bible says he was ruddy. That word ruddy in the Hebrew means redheaded. He was red redheaded stepchild. He was the one that Jesse always uh, had questions about him. Am I really his daddy? Or did someone else get into her tent? And, and he, was, he wasn't allowed to eat at the table with Jesse and the seven boys. He ate at another table. That's why he said, you set a table for me in the presence of my enemies. David understood this thing that he carried. This, He said in one place that my face is covered with shame. And then the scripture we read where it said, in iniquity am I shapen. In sin did my mother conceive me. David carried this thing and he was cast and he couldn't right himself. And, and, and he, was, he was an outcast. That's why when Samuel came looking for the king, uh, Jesse did not bring David in. He was out tending the sheep and, and he brought his seven boys in and said, these are my boys. He was ashamed of David, and David carried this shame. He was cast, but God, but God, forget about Jesse's suspicion. Forget about the opinions of the boys. Forget about the criticism. Forget about the limitations they placed on him. He wasn't lined up with a seven, he was out back tending the sheep. He was an outcast, he was an outsider looking in. But God, forget the limitations. Listen, people will try to limit you with their opinions. People will try to limit you with their their gossip. People will try to limit you with their rumors. People will try to limit you by your past. That's why we say here, we won't gossip about your past, we'll prophesy about your future. We're not gonna talk about where you've been, we're gonna talk about where you're going. So I'm not a victim of my past, I'm a victor of my future. But people get cast. They get limited, restricted, hemmed in. I can't, they won't, God never will. They get cast. But David said, he restoreth my soul. What a shepherd would do is reach down under the sheep that's cast and right them and get them back on your feet. And I believe God released this word to reach underneath his people and right them and restore their soul, so you can stand on your feet, call your soul to attention, and say, Father, I'm here ready to report for duty. Forget the limitations of my past. Forget the limitations of my bloodline. Forget the limitations of people. God said, no, no, no to the limitations, and I will fulfill the destiny that he has for my life. But God's hand says, no, 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 no. But that's, you don't know about David's past. God says, no, 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 no. But you don't understand his limitations. No, 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 no. You don't understand. He's the redheaded step boy. No, no, no. God's finger says, no, 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 to the limitations. So in concluding this part here this morning, if you have limitations on you because of iniquity, deal with it. If you have limitations upon you because of people's opinion, deal with it. This morning, it's time for God's people to get righted. For God says, no, 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 to the limitations, and you will fulfill your destiny that he has for your life. In this word, it talked about God's hand overcoming limitations. The second part to this word. I then heard this encouraging word. My hand is upon you, even if you don't feel it. When you're mad at me or don't understand what I'm doing in your life, my hand is upon you. Know that I've chosen you and will achieve all that I have predestined for you. So know in the times that are the hardest, feels like you're going to die, my hand is on you. In unfair, unjust, downright brutal times, my hand is on you. David had to fight for his life. No one else could do it for him. He fought the lion and the bear on his own with my hand guiding him. All my hand, or excuse me, allow my hand to guide, shift, protect, heal, and do whatever needs to be done in your life. Limitations don't define you, I do. So we talked about generational curses. You say, well, my father was like this. My mother was like this, so I have to be. No, you don't. You can break free of that. You say, but people have labeled me. You can break free of that. You can break free of that. Never allow people's opinion to define you. The second thing, you have to know that the more brutal the time, the stronger his hand. It said, My hand is on you, even in brutal times. Let me talk to you for just a minute about trusting God's helping hand. Trusting God's helping hand. In Isaiah 41, for I, the Lord your God, number one in this verse, will hold your right hand. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to say to you, number two, fear not. I'm going to help you. (laughs) Now remember the word. Even when you're mad at me, when you don't understand me, when you don't feel me. He said, my hand is on you. Okay? Your feelings, your understanding, and your circumstances are not an indicator of his activity. You say, but the situation looks bad. God still His hand is still on you. You say, yeah, but I don't feel that. His hand is still on you. You say, but I don't understand what God's doing, but his hand is still on you. Do you think Joseph always understood the hand of God? Do you think Joseph always stood the plan of God? But yet God's hand was always there. There were two promises made to Isaiah. Guys, put Isaiah 41 back on the screen. There were two promises made to Isaiah. Number one, he would have a firm grip on Isaiah's hand. Now listen, when crossing the street, it's the father who holds the son's hand. When I cross the street with my grandchildren, I hold their hand, they don't hold mine. I got a firm grip on their hand. It's not the other way around. And God said to Isaiah, I've got a firm grip on your hand. That means he ain't gonna let go. You say, but pastor, I feel insecure. He's got a firm grip. Pastor, I'm afraid he's got a firm grip. You see, God's holding your hand. See, you think you're holding the hand of God? God's holding your hand. You say, but I don't feel that God's holding your hand. Yeah, but the circumstances don't, don't indicate that he's holding your hand. Yeah, but I don't understand what he's, he's holding your hand. God's holding your hand, you're not holding his. That's like the saying, God found me, I didn't find him. He's holding your hand and you need to know that. You say, well, everything's going wrong. He's holding your hand. He said to Isaiah, I have got a firm grip on your hand. The second thing, he said to him, I'm going to be talking to you the whole time. So regardless of what he felt, understood, or saw, he said to him, I am going to help you. I'm going to help you. So he's holding his hand, and the whole time he's whispering to him, fear not, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. While holding his hand, God would tenderly, tenderly reassure Isaiah, calming his fears. I'm going to help you. It's going to be all right. It's going to be fine. Even now, as with my children, there are times when my grandchildren are with me and they can get uneasy with something. You'll watch children. They'll come around and stand behind you. They'll come in and hold on to you and they'll peek around you at what's happening because they're uneasy. And the whole time you're saying, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right, I got this, you're fine. And God said to Isaiah, I'm gonna hold your hand and the whole time he's reassuring him, don't be afraid, I'm gonna help you. There are people in this room right now that the enemy has come to try to limit you through iniquity in your bloodline or through the opinions of other people. There are people in this room right now that you need to hear this word that God's hand is with you and it is saying no, no to the limitations, that I got a plan for your life. You need to know right now that he's got a firm grip on your hand no matter how dark the night. And he's holding on tight. And if you'll just calm your spirit down this morning, and if you'll just listen very carefully, you'll hear him whisper in your ear, don't be afraid. It's okay. I am going to help you. Now, let me tell you something, guys. For someone that's going through a brutal time, now remember what the word said. There have been times when it's been downright brutal, downright brutal. To that person, those simple words of, I'm gonna help you, is huge. Huge. Have you ever been in a situation where Perhaps it was financial, let's say, or perhaps it was, it was physical, okay? Have you ever been in a situation where somebody would come into your moment and say, listen, it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna help you. I remember back in Austin, Suzette and I started the church, 1992. We were there for six years till '98. And I remember about half, well, no, it wasn't halfway. It was probably about a year into it. It was, the pressure on me was tremendous. At one point, I was working a full-time job, a part-time job, and pastoring that church. You can understand the financial pressure I was under because I was trying to take care of my family plus take care of a church. And it 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 was tough. And I developed a pain in my stomach where it felt like somebody took a knife and put that knife in my stomach and would twist it. Well, of course, immediately I thought I've got an ulcer. But then the enemy, he jumps on board and he says, no, you got stomach cancer. You'll be dead. You'll never see your children grow. And for a young man with a load that I had, you know, I I was carrying a load. I was fighting this battle. And I had this pain for a year. Now, a year is a long time to have your stomach in pain all the time. And so the enemy really got in my head. He said, I'm gonna kill you, you'll be dead. You're gonna die of stomach cancer. Well, finally, my secretary, and I tried different things, nothing would touch it, my secretary said, listen, I want you to see my doctor. And, And I went and saw him, and he looked at me, and he said, i tell you what I wanna do. I wanna give you a little pill that's for your colon. It's not for the stomach, but I think it may be your answer. And I took that little pill for just a couple of days, it broke that thing and killed it. I did an upper GI and it came back zero. No ulcers, no nothing. But with one little pill, he just killed it. He looked at me and said, I'm gonna help you. When they called me and said, your GI came back and there's no, there's no ulcers, there's no cancer, there's nothing. Can you imagine the load that just lifted off of me as a young man? After a year of trying everything, he just lifted right off of me. Just to have somebody step in your world and say, you know what, I'm gonna try something unconventional, but I think it may help you. Just to say, have you ever had somebody walk in your life and say, listen, I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna help you. You got financial problems? Listen, it's gonna be all right. Sit down. We're gonna work this out. I am gonna help you. Listen, God sent me here today to tell you that the enemies try to limit you, but God says, I'm gonna hold your hand and I am going to help you. It's going to be all right. You say, but pastor, you don't understand the load I'm under. Yeah, I do. He says, I'm going to help you. You say, but pastor, I'm doing everything I know to do. I get it, but he's going to help you. You say, pastor, I'm afraid. I can't sleep at night. My stomach's a mess. He says, I'm going to help you. You say, but pastor, I can't make the two ends meet. He says, I'm going to help you. You say, pastor, it looks like I'm going to lose my job. He says, I am going to help you. He's got a tight grip on your hand, and he says, I'm not gonna let go, and I'm gonna help you. And so he's whispering in your ear this morning, don't be afraid, I'm going to help you. You need to feel that this morning, that God says, I'm gonna help you. Listen, your situation is in his hands. His situation is in, it's in his hands. It's out of your hands. Why don't you let go of it this morning? Just let go and just release it into the hands of God. He says, I'm gonna help you. The second thing I wanna give to you quickly is his guiding hand. You're underneath his guiding hand. Remember, it said, my hand is going to guide you through these difficult times, these brutal times. A guiding hand, Psalms 144, praise be to the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Under his guiding hand, listen to this. He said in that word from Charmaine, you're gonna reach your, you're, you're predestined. You're gonna reach your destiny. So know this, he chooses you. He said, I've chosen you. He said that I've chosen you and you're predestined. So he, he chose you and he will finish what he started. If you'll just do, as the apostle said, as submit yourself under the mighty hand of God, you need to understand that God laid his hand on you. Listen, I didn't pick him on what I'm doing, he picked me. Are you, do you understand that? Listen, I didn't ask God to let me preach the gospel. He called me to preach the gospel. I didn't ask God to let me start not in my city. I didn't ask God to let me start United Aid of Southeast Texas. I didn't ask God to let me run for city council. God said, you're going to do this, 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 and this. And I said, really? God chose me. But how many understands that you need to settle into that because there's power with that. He chose me to do this. I didn't sign up for this. He chose me. And God has chosen you and God will empower you. He'll give you the authority. God will give you the grace. God will give you the grace. With the call comes a grace to endure the calling. When God calls you, God will give you the grace to do it. Just settle back in your calling and just realize it's gonna be okay. The callings and the giftings of God without repentance, amen? So here we go. If God calls you, he'll gift you. And if you feel called to do something and there's no gifting there, if you think you're called to sing, but you can't sing... With the call comes a grace to to endure the calling. People say, Pastor, how do you do this, this, and that? I said, because there's a grace on me to do it. I have the grace. And when you operate in that grace, it takes that load off of you. Burnout is when the external demands are greater than the internal supply. When we start doing that kind of stuff, that means that you're not operating in grace. You gotta let grace do it. You You gotta let God, you just gotta under submit to the mighty hand of God. Let the grace of God carry you. I pray in the arm of the Lord and not in the arm of the flesh. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Listen to me. You about burned out, burned up, used up, ready to quit. You need to relax and get in the grace of God. And if you're doing something that you're not called to do, let it go. But if you're called to do it, then get up and go and do it with the grace of God. He chose you and he will finish what he started. I say that because the devil will come along and say, you're limited, you're restricted, I'm gonna destroy you, I'm gonna kill you, God won't, people won't, you never will. Listen, you gotta just, you gotta shut that down and realize that God's gonna finish what he started. Talking about this word, know that the more brutal the time, the stronger his hand. Oh, I'm doing all kinds of repeats this morning. To whom much is given, much is required. But to whom much is required, much is given. The more brutal the time, the stronger his hand. The greater the battle, the greater the victory. If you really want to get close to him, get out on that limb as far as you can. To whom much is given, much is required. But when God requires more of me, he gives himself to me in unprecedented ways. Talking about this guiding hand. Like David, your skill under his guiding hand will kill giants. With a rag and a rock and the skill of a boy under the guiding hand of God, David killed a giant. You see, that's all it takes is your rag, your rock, your skill under the guiding hand of God. David said to Saul, can't wear your armor. The way you do it don't fit me. So David went out there and his skill set, fearfully and wonderfully made was he. He stayed true to who he was, which was a shepherd boy. He would take rocks and sling them at wolves that would try to steal his father's sheep. And David took that rag and that rock and he swung that thing around. And when he let go of that rock, the hand of God got behind it and took that rock and struck that giant's head and knocked him to the ground. David took his sword and cut his head off. Listen to me, your skill with the guiding hand of God can kill giants. Don't tell me you can't. Don't tell me you won't. Don't listen to the enemy. He says you can't. How do you think David felt when he walked out on that battlefield and all them big burly professional warriors were behind him, all crouching down in the trenches and David, this shepherd boy, walked out there with a leather strap and a rock and that giant says, am I a dog? that you'd send this boy out to me? How do you think David felt standing there? But in his spirit, he said, you're insulting Jehovah God and I won't tolerate it. And there's something in him, a righteous indignation that rose up and David took that rock and that leather strap and he let go of that rock and God's guiding hand. Listen to me, with God's guiding hand, you can kill giants. So God's guiding hand will define you, not your limitations. Those brothers said to David, what do you think you're doing? They tried to limit him, but it was God's guiding hand behind that rock that defined David and not his limitations because the rest of his life, he was known as the boy that killed the giant. The boy that killed the giant because of God's guiding hand. (laughs) Stephen, come help me. Think of this. The enemy is saying to God's people, I'm gonna limit you. You're not gonna fulfill his plan for your life. You can't trust God. It's been brutal times, hard times. You don't feel his presence. You don't see his hand at work. It's been tough. Where's your God at now? But We have to understand his guiding hand that's on our life. Even when I don't feel, understand, or see, I know his hand is on me. And if I'll just submit to that hand, he says, I'm gonna finish what I started. And don't worry, no matter how brutal the time is, I'm, I'm, I'll just come on that much stronger. Well, think about that. And With his guiding hand, I can kill giants. Wow, I just. Curtis Ponzio that morning gave me the word. While in prayer, I saw God place his hand on your head and energize you. Then he began to rub your shoulders and whisper into your ear words of strength and encouragement as you would a contender. So he said, I saw God's hand rest on your head. And then he got up and he began to encourage you and strengthen you. First Kings, chapter 18, verse 46. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, Mount Carmel. He outruns Ahab. Then the hand of the Lord came on him. But there's another translation that reads it this way. Now, the Lord, energized, the Lord energized Elijah with power. He tucked his robe into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. In that moment, Mount Carmel, 450 false prophets of Baal, altar, fire falls down from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, he kills the false prophets. He begins to pray. The cloud, a cloud the size of a man's hand appears in the sky. Bible says that the spirit of the Lord came on him, the hand of the Lord came on him, energized him. He took off running and he beat Ahab and his chariots to Jezreel, energized him. Under his hand, you can outrun the kings of the earth. Under his hand, you can outrun the kings of this earth. He will energize you with power so that when you walk into a boardroom, you'll have the words you need. When you walk into a construction site and there's a problem, you'll have the words you need. When you walk into a situation, you'll have the words you need. When you're involved in a situation, you'll have the ideal that you need. When you're confronted with problems, you'll be there. He'll energize you, and you can outrun the kings of the earth. There's something powerful about a man or a woman of God that has been energized by Holy Spirit that's under the mighty hand of God that gives him power and strength. This morning, there are people in this room, people in this room that you have been going through a brutal time Difficult time. There were times when you felt like you were going to die. The enemy said, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna destroy you. But God sent me here this morning to tell you that his hand is upon you. And you need to trust the hand of God. And you need to submit to the guiding hand of God. For he will finish what he started in your life. Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit icathedral.org.